Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take our ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Topping our news today, USDA released its monthly supply and demand report on Tuesday, and boy, did it have an effect on the markets, especially the cotton market. We'll take a closer look at what was in that report and the cotton market's reaction to it to kick off today's show. Plus, we take a look at the Texas sheep industry. Sheep producers here in Texas have a lot to be optimistic about right now. We'll check in with one Texas sheep producers to see how optimistic he is. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When China finally agreed to allow U.S. beef back into its market a few years ago, even slow growth in the pace of exports to that country was good news for Texas beef producers. Well, now the floodgates have opened. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Pecan production moving away from native species and towards newly planted varieties. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details and more on Texas Ag Today. One of the first considerations when purchasing hay is that it should be based on animal requirements. We will discuss the importance of a forage analysis for feeding hay. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA's monthly supply and demand report Tuesday sent the corn and wheat markets higher, but cotton prices took a drop. World Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski. The biggest surprise might have been in cotton, where production this month in the crop production report was cut by about a half million bales, largely out of Texas. But although U.S. production was decreased, world production and stocks have increased, and that's why we've seen the drop in cotton prices this week. USDA's chief economist Seth Meyer says cotton is in a unique situation right now. We were discussing, are there supply chain issues? Because we've got a lot of issues with container shipments. And obviously cotton heads to Asia as a backhaul in those container shipments. But product demand is also really fantastic. And USDA raised its average cotton price by six cents a pound. And so we've got an estimate for a nominal record cotton price, so not adjusted for inflation, a nominal record cotton price for the coming year. The cotton market has dropped about five cents since the report was released on Tuesday. We've seen some rain in several sections of Texas this week, and it is definitely needed as drought has been spreading this fall. 
After a wetter than normal spring and summer, drought conditions are now creeping back across the Lone Star State. According to the Texas Water Development Board, it is now abnormally dry across much of the Panhandle along the Texas-Oklahoma border, in northeast, central, southwest, and west Texas, and in the Big Bend area. 8% of the state is now suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's up one percentage point from last week. And we could continue to see things dry out as we move further into the fall and into the winter. According to the National Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center, a La Nina is favored to develop over the next few months. The weather system typically means warmer and drier weather for Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Texas sheep industry is at a good place right now with high demand and great prices. David Fisher has about 3,500 lambs near Sonora, Texas. He says he's very optimistic about the future of the industry. You're right, that demand's there. It's a it's a neat product. New consumers are picking it up all the time because they want to try you know new exciting things. So I think there's huge growth potential. And you know, in Texas, with our dynamic situation with a huge ethnic market, we can move all kinds of different products from our state out to other parts of the country. And so, you know, I just think in each one of those sectors, there's a a huge amount of growth potential. Sheep producer David Fisher of Sonora. China is buying U.S. beef at an incredible pace. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Looking at the latest figures on U.S. beef exports, one thing really jumps out. Comparing year-to-date numbers with last year, China's purchases of U.S. beef in 2021 are up by more than 800%, totaling nearly 120,000 metric tons through August. Joe Sheely, with the U.S. Meat Export Federation, talks about the still-evolving Chinese market. There are still some unique requirements for China. You still have to be on their approved plant list. They still do not allow for rectopamine residues in the product. And so there are still some production factors that limit our ability to export beef to China. But I think that the U.S. industry now feels confident that the market is open to an extensive degree. I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's fully open, but it's open in a very meaningful way. And I think that the U.S. industry now has confidence that it will remain so. And that has allowed for them to make the necessary adjustments to their business to provide more China-eligible beef. And that's a good thing because the buyers over there just can't get enough of it. Sheely notes U.S. beef is getting a big boost from the Phase 1 trade agreement. It's now been in effect for about a year and a half. And of course, it took a while for the supply chain to respond and to become convinced that China, again, was open in a meaningful and sustainable way, that we weren't going to have on-again, off-again access to China. I think now that that confidence level is there, we're going to see that business continue to grow. And that's very encouraging for our beef producers in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 2021 has been a good year for Texas pecan producers. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today from San Angelo is horticulturist John Begno. And uh, today, uh, John, we're going to talk about this summer's Texas Pecan Growers Association annual conference and the issues that came out of that conference. And, uh, John, the the pecan market uh, here in Texas, at least uh, producer prices, are looking good for those uh, growing pecans. 
They sure do, Tom. Uh, considering what went through last year, starting out above those prices for sure, and the yield was a little bit of concern, but the estimation is, and, and these are fairly accurate according to last year's results, is that Texas should come in at about 41, 42 million pounds. That used to could be close to the number one producer, but Georgia's estimated to have 82, and New Mexico has kind of swapped out with Georgia as maybe the number one pecan producing state in the U.S. at roughly 96 to 100 million pounds. So those are the influencers when it comes to uh, growing pecans here in Texas or in other states. And the weather, you know, if hurricanes come through Alabama and Georgia, that of course changes the environment and, and maybe reduces crop. This year, it looks like we've dodged a lot of major bullets as far as storms go, and we should have really good production. But one thing is kind of interesting for Texas, the native production is is actually gone down over the years really in the whole U.S. The focus has been on planted trees, those orchards you see by the side of the road, just tree after tree. Those seem to be on the increase, and we still have places like California, if there is water available, in Arizona, doing a lot of new plantings, which eventually in the long term will have some effect on pricing. And so it's very important that markets be kept and be developed further. That is horticulturist John Begno in San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. As we move into the winter hay feeding season, it's important to know what nutrients are available in your hay. 4-H specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson explains. For optimal production, forage quality should be matched as closely as possible to the nutritional needs of the animal. Low-quality forage can result in reduced animal performance and increased supplemental feeding costs. Whereas hay of sufficient quality, little or no supplementation will be necessary to meet the animal's nutritional needs. Keep in mind that not all forage or hay is created equal. There is great variation between forages and nutrient content can vary dramatically, even within a particular type of forage. Several factors influence hay quality, such as maturity or time of harvesting, forage species and variety, fertilization, temperature, leaf to stem ratio, and weather at harvesting or baling. Given our wet spring and summer, some of our hay harvesting conditions were not optimal. This likely influenced the quality of hay we were able to produce or even purchase. Therefore, a forage quality analysis will be critical before feeding hay this winter. Regardless if you are buying hay or feeding the hay you raised, it is a good idea to test the hay to determine what, if any, supplementation will be needed when the hay is fed. When collecting samples, a good practice is to sample approximately 10% of the bales from a particular cutting or load using a hay probe. Oftentimes, a hay probe can be borrowed from your county extension office. Samples should be taken from bales that would represent the hay from the entire field. There are a multitude of both commercial and university forage labs around the country. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Soil, Water, and Forage Testing Laboratory does offer forage analysis as a service out of College Station. For additional information on forage testing or available forage labs, contact your local beef cattle or livestock specialist or a ruminant nutritionist. If you haven't done so already, now is the time to get a nutrient analysis of all available hay and forage. Sort your cattle based on their nutrient requirements, properly match available forage and hay to the different groups of cattle, and make sure their nutrient requirements are being met. Feeding cattle is never cheap, but producers with information about what they are feeding can be more efficient. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson in Overton for Texas Ag Today. 
Keeping vaccines protected during cattle working is often an overlooked task. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Keeping vaccines protected during cattle working is often an overlooked task, but veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says it is vital for vaccination success. Vaccines are very important in keeping your cattle healthy and is the best method of decreasing disease in your cattle. Although no vaccine is 100% and COVID-19 vaccines in people are a good example of that, vaccines are very effective in most cases. Dr. Russ Daly with South Dakota State Extension indicates that the vaccine stimulates the animal's immune system and increases its ability to fight off infections. Your veterinarian should help you develop a herd health plan, and this plan will depend on your herd's history, the type of vaccine used, method of administration, and the age of the animal, as well as your facilities if a booster vaccine is needed. There are basically two types of vaccines for animals, either modified live or killed. The modified live contains live virus, which multiplies in the animal's body and stimulates the immune system, but does not cause disease. Inactivated vaccines are those in which the bacteria is killed. Dr. Daly indicates regardless of the vaccine type, out-of-date vaccines are not effective. Proteins are the major components of the organisms in the vaccines, and they disintegrate with time and temperature. And when the proteins break up into smaller pieces, they no longer stimulate an immune response. So if you have an out-of-date vaccine or a vaccine that was exposed to heat or freezing, the vaccine will likely not be effective. It is recommended to use a new needle on every animal to avoid disease transmission and keep vaccine in a cooler when working cows. Also, use disposable syringes so you don't have to worry about soap residue in wash syringes. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Your help is needed for finding pronghorn poachers in the panhandle. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Texas game wardens are asking for the public's help in identifying the person or persons responsible for poaching five pronghorn in the Texas Panhandle. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the pronghorn were killed between Friday, September 24th and Sunday, September 26th. They were found about a mile north of IH-40, just east of Adrian in the Panhandle. The pronghorn were dumped, headless, and without their horns on private land. Game wardens believe it was an act of irresponsible trophy hunting. Operation Game Thief is offering a $1,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the poacher. Relevant information could include anything out of the ordinary, like strange gunshots, an unfamiliar vehicle in the area, headlights in a field on those nights, or observing a truck with a bloody tailgate. 
The Operation Game Thief hotline is 1-800-792-GAME. That is 1-800-792-4263. You can report a violation 24-7. The Texas Animal Health Commission and Parks and Wildlife will host a certified chronic wasting disease sample collector training from 9 a.m. to noon October 20th at the AgriLife Research and Extension Center in Lubbock. Certified sample collectors have the ability to take tissue samples as part of the mandatory CWD testing requirements that are now in place in Lubbock County following a positive case of CWD earlier this year. Space is limited. To sign up, contact the AgriLife office in Lubbock. Again, that event is from 9 a.m. to noon, Wednesday, October 20th in Lubbock. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We had a higher day across the board in cattle, cotton, and grains on Thursday. We'll take a look back at all of Thursday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a higher trade in the cattle markets on Thursday. We finished higher on both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle up 97 cents, 125.75. The December up $1.30 at 130.13. February up $1.10, 134.65. Same thing on the feeder cattle. October feeders up 77, 158.42. November feeder cattle up a dollar seventeen, one sixty-two fifteen. The January up ninety cents, one sixty-two thirty-five. Cash fed cattle trade mostly steady with last week. Texas cattle feeders reporting three thousand one hundred forty-three heads sold so far this week. Those cattle brought one twenty-four to one twenty-four fifty. Box beef prices higher on Thursday. Choice up sixty-seven cents at two eighty sixty-nine. Select up two thirty-five at two sixty-one oh five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's head up to Abilene. Talk to Henry Pickett about the sale he had on Tuesday. Henry, I talked to some of the sellers and the buyers, and they said they were very pleased. What did you think? It ended up really well. We ended up with a little over 1,500 cattle with about 300 cows. We had some pretty good cattle there. We had some big deals, different ranch deals. We had a couple of highlights. We had a truckload lot of Eight weight all natural steers. They bring a dollar thirty-two. We had their smaller mates to them. They weighed like seven thirty and bring a buck forty. And then we had numerous other lots of four weight cattle, and they were still bringing up in the dollar eighty range. You know, even with this depressed market, the good cattle still seem to be doing pretty well. Right. And lesser quality, just you know, they bring what they bring. Have you seen an increase a little bit in the lesser quality cattle as we get closer to that season when you're trying to cheapen up a, a one and a half uh, with some twos? We're seeing a little bit of it. You know. 
know, they're just trying to get numbers so they can kind of put a few cheaters on there. But the cattle, you know, even the crossbred calves are still good quality. But but the lesser quality cattle I'm talking about, these we're starting to be in abundance of these longhorns and corinthy crosses. And, you know, I think it's due to a lot of these people that have these small acreages and are trying to keep their ag exemption. And they're overstocked to begin with, and now it's dry, and they got to come with them. And then, you know, they're just not too satisfied with the price. What are we going to do this next week? We've got a couple more uh, calf crops coming in, and then uh, we've had a call on some uh, pretty decent kind of replacement cows. We did have some good Brangus type four or five year old cattle this week that went back to the country and they brought in a 12 to 1400 range. They're five bred, so that's a good thing. We'll get to hopefully get a shot at their calves in the future. Henry, tell everybody how to get a hold of you in Abilene for the Tuesday sale. Here at the barn at 325-673-7865 or my mobile number is 940-733-8208. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble and that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks to Henry Pickett from Abilene Livestock. Neighbor, good day. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close lower. October hogs down 45 cents, 88.20. The December down 82 at 77.32. Class 3 milk was higher. October milk up 7, 17.95 a hundredweight. November milk up 40 at 19.25 a hundred. A big jump in the cotton market on Thursday. It looks like traders finally bought the dip. We've seen prices drop lower this week, and traders finally stepped in and bought it up, moving prices sharply higher again on Thursday. In fact, we hit limit up at one point during the trading session. We did back off of that before the close. December cotton up 324 points, closing at 107.10. The March up 311 points, 104.95. The corn market, same story there. It's been dropping all week long. We finally bottomed out. Traders stepped back in and pushed the market up a bit on Thursday. December corn up four and a half, five sixteen and three quarters. March corn up three and three quarters, five twenty-five and three quarters. A higher close in both hard and soft wheat. July Kansas City wheat up seven and a half, seven thirty-five and a half. July Chicago wheat up two and a half. 729 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas up five at 564. November crude oil up a dollar one, 81.45 a barrel. The financial markets higher on Thursday. The Dow up 534 points at 34,912. The Nasdaq up 251, 14,823. The S&P up 74 at 4,438. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.